All over the United States, radicals are tearing down historical statues. Did you know Abraham Lincoln once spoke out about this exact issue? Let Lincoln teach you, next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. Some hostile people have been tearing down statues in the U.S., and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem. So what is the solution? Well, the 16th President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, had a solution to this problem years and years ago. Of course, he was the President while we had the Civil War. But he's also considered the number one President that we've ever had in the U.S. by many people. A great President. Today I'd like to let him speak to you, just give you mostly some quotes from him, give you his words about how to handle a, a problem like this when people are desecrating these wonderful statues and memorials that mean so much to so many people. And I believe you'll be somewhat moved by hearing what his solution is. And it's something we need to hear a lot about. But I want to give you an amazing quote here, because he was concerned about that very problem many years ago, some even as far back as like 1838. So he was talking here about George Washington, the first President of the United States, and he said this, during his long sleep, we permitted no hostile foot to pass over or desecrate his resting place. During his long sleep, we permitted no hostile foot to pass over or desecrate his resting place. Lincoln uh, said that they just simply didn't permit that. They didn't permit it to happen. And uh, if you look at uh, the history of the U.S., that tradition continued down to about 2000 A.D., and then they began to tear down George Washington's statues and mar a Lincoln memorial. The man who was the one responsible for emancipation of the slaves. So what does that make sense? Well, it shows that the motive behind these hostile acts is not necessarily uh, trying to get, get equality. It's much more uh, complicated than that. But the word desecration just means to destroy the, the sacredness. And these, many of these statues and memorials really are sacred because they actually bring God into the picture. You'd be amazed, and you will be amazed, at how much Abraham Lincoln brought God into the picture. But what does it all mean? I'm telling you, Democrats and Republicans all should understand this, because it is about this constitutional republic, and both Democrats and Republicans are the cause of this division. If you look at it spiritually, they have a problem with God. And it has to be resolved. Now, the best way, really, to teach is by example. That's our number one way to teach, is by example. And look at the example that Abraham Lincoln gave to our country. The example, George Washington the same. But can you, uh, 
see a more godly example of a president of the United States than Abraham Lincoln. I don't see it in all our history books. So would you say this has something to do with maybe being anti-God? Well, we need to think about this seriously because what could be more serious for our nation in a physical way anyhow? So let's see how to solve this problem. And I'll just talk to you about Lincoln's view on tearing down sacred statues. He makes some some, uh, mind-numbing statements here that I want to read to you, and you'll see why we have some of our problems today. But he, he was talking about Christians, and here's what he said, quote, They all claim to be Christians and interpret their several creeds as infallible ones. I doubt the possibility of propriety of setting the religion of Jesus Christ in the models of man-made creeds and dogmas. Man-made. He said, In my mind it seems difficult to put Christ into some of these man-made schemes. Now that's a condemning statement toward Christians. Should it be a criticism today? Well, how many how many uh, people's uh, politicians speak out like this, and how many ministers even speak out like this? I don't see it, but uh, notice this this astounding statement. And then later he told a friend that you know if I could find a church that would assent to the Savior's statement of the substance of the law, and he quotes it, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself, he says. That church would I gladly unite with. But he never found a church like that, and he never did unite with one. Isn't that rather uh, uh, disturbing? It certainly seems so to me. Then he said uh, a few years later than what the other statement, I think, he received the Bible as a gift. And he said, In regard to this great book, I have but to say it is the best gift God has given to man. All the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book, but for it we could not know right from wrong. All things most desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter are to be found portrayed in this book. He said, look, if we don't have the Bible, we don't even know what right and wrong is. Well, are we teaching the Bible more today or less? Well, it's hardly allowed in the schools and in education today. And yet Abraham Lincoln said, look, that's the only way we'll ever know right from wrong. Well, isn't that true, and isn't that what we ought to be teaching our children as they enter into school, and as they come into the, or born into the families, teach them about the Bible and what is right and what is wrong? Well, I think we, we need to think about that, because it is biblical to the core. Abraham Lincoln knew it. He read the, through the Bible several times, as I understand it. He knew the Bible. He believed the Bible, but he didn't believe most of Christianity was in sync with the Bible. That's a pretty serious problem. But think about this. Here's one of the most amazing examples you could ever hear about, Abraham Lincoln, and yet we have people out trying to tear down his memorial, mar it, or tear down Washington's 
statue, and they're doing that very thing. And he helped to save the statue of George Washington and believed, well, if we were keeping God's law, we wouldn't allow it. We wouldn't permit people to tear down those sacred statues. We wouldn't allow it. Well, and I tell you, in many ways you could say he was like a biblical prophet. But how many, how many politicians do you hear today talk like that? How many do you hear talk like that? How many ministers even do you hear talk like that? But we're failing to teach our children today about right and wrong. This is just the foundation of the problem I'm getting into. But there, only the Bible teaches this. Let me repeat what Abraham Lincoln said about George Washington during his long sleep. We permitted no hostile foot to pass over or desecrate his resting place. We didn't allow it. We did not allow it. We didn't permit it. And he said that's a law that should be established, and we should keep it. Here's another quote. In 1838 he made this quote, Good men, men who have tranquility, who desire to abide by the laws, and enjoy their benefits, who would gladly spill their blood in the defense of their country, seeing their property destroyed, their families insulted, and their lives endangered, their persons injured, and seeing nothing in prospect that forebodes a change for the better, become tired of and disgusted with a government that offers them no protection." Well, what do you know? Government is there to protect the people, and their property, and their families. And he was condemning people that weren't doing that. And he would do the same today if he were president. But he said, and are not much averse to change in which they imagine they have nothing to lose. In other words, why, why, why even uh, obey the government if they're not going to protect you? And, and he said, now the solution to all this is both sides have to keep the law, the law of the land, the constitutional law. That's what he says. Now, he says, we're going to stamp out this sin. <laughs> he would call it that, then we're going to have to uh, keep the law. Let me give you another quote that's really important. He says, Let reverence for the laws be breathed by every American mother to the lisping babe that prattles on her lap. Let it be taught in schools, in seminaries, and in colleges. Let it be written in primers, spelling books, and in almanacs. Let it be preached from the pulpit, proclaimed in legislative halls, and enforced in courts of justice. And in short, let it become the political religion of the nation." Well, how about that? Hey, here's, a, here's a man that was interested in becoming president. He wanted to be a politician, and he, he was talking like this, and many Americans loved it. But they wouldn't today, not the way he's teaching it. Or in proclaiming it. I'm telling you, they just wouldn't do it. It's very, very different today. We have to be honest with ourselves. Notice this. Another quote, Let those materials be molded into general intelligence, sound morality, and in particular a reverence for the Constitution and laws, and that we improve to the last. It says, listen to this, 
here's the conclusion, that we remain free to the last, that we revered His name to the last, that is, George Washington, the Founding Father, that during His long sleep, see, this long sleep, during His long sleep we permitted no hostile foot to pass over or desecrate His resting place, shall be that which to learn the last trump shall awaken our Washington. The last trump. Here, you know what he's talking about? The last trump. I hope we know what he's talking about. That's when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. He talked about the last trump. How many politicians today do you ever hear mention the last trump? Do you, you don't even hear many ministers talk about that, do you? He's talking about the Bible, what he read in the Bible, and he believed it. There's no book like it. The most important gift you could receive is the Bible. The last trump. Talking about the last trump. Does that sound like a politician to you? Again, let me remind you, during his long sleep of Washington, we permitted no hostile foot no, to pass over or desecrate his resting place. That means law. That means law and order. Abraham Lincoln also said this, Stand with anybody who stands right. Stand with him while he is right, and part with him when he goes wrong. You have to know the Bible to know that. To desert such ground because of any company is to be less than a man, less than an American." Wow! That, that's, those are strong words. Notice what he says again, "...leaders thirst and burn for distinction. These towering figures of history, and if possible it will have it, whether at the expense of emancipating slaves or enslaving free men." This was a 28-year-old making this statement and he detested and despised slavery as a young man. And yet people today would mar and scar his memorial, this sacred memorial, of a godly man. At what cost are we doing this? Do we, you see, we haven't been teaching this like we should. And even our young people today are ignorant of all these things I'm telling you now, in many cases, most cases, frankly. And then he says, look, it's really a difference between somebody going out and, and emancipating the slaves or somebody trying to enslave them. That's the way it is in this world. That's the way it's always been. But here came a man along and really put his life on the line to emancipate the slaves. He, did, he, he thought that was despicable. And it is. And yet today, we don't listen to, uh, to Lincoln and, how, how, uh, and, and why he did all that and how he did it. We just don't do that. See, there are always leaders out there that want to enslave men. He, know, he, he understood human nature. And there are hostile people that will always come along, if they can, and take over and try to enslave men. That's just the nature of human nature. That's, that is human nature. They want to enslave others. I've got a, had a few quotes here from what my son gave in a message to our young people at summer camp. Powerful examples here. Let me repeat that quote again, speaking about George Washington. He said, During his long sleep we permitted no hostile foot to pass over or desecrate his resting place. Why did he mention that? 
because there were people with those thoughts and trying to do those things in, in His time, and they simply didn't permit it. How we have degenerated. How we have degenerated today. Can you read this any other way? Listen to this. And this is, he wrote in 1862 to one of his friends. This was in the midst of the Civil War, and things weren't going well. It would back for three years, it was going terribly bad for the North, and he said this. We are indeed going through a great trial, a fiery trial, in the very responsible position in which I happen to be placed, being a humble servant in the hands of our Heavenly Father, as I am in the hands of our Heavenly Father. Wow, what a politician! And as I am, as we are all to work out His great purposes, I have desired that all my work and acts may be according to His will, and that it might be so I have sought His aid. Do presidents talk like that today? No, they don't. Do politicians talk like that? No. Do, do even, well, ministers talk that way? Not like Abraham Lincoln, usually. Then he said this. They had just lost uh, serious battles in Chancellorsville and uh, Fredericksburg, and I mean, he felt like maybe there couldn't be another loss like that. And when that happened, the second loss there, and then they were about to have a battle in Gettysburg, here's what he did. He said, I went to my room one day, and I locked the door, got down on my knees before Almighty God, and prayed to Him mightily for victory at Gettysburg. I told Him that this was His war, and our cause was His cause, but we couldn't stand another Fredericksburg or Chancellorsville. We couldn't take it again, another one like that. We were about to lose the Civil War, or at least divide the nation totally. And he said, I made a solemn vow to Almighty God that if He would stand by our boys at Gettysburg, I would stand by Him. And after that, I don't know how it was, and I can't explain it. Please listen to this. I don't know how it was, and I can't explain it, but a sweet comfort crept into my soul that Almighty God had taken the whole business into His own hands, and that the things would go all right at Gettysburg. God used the Holy Spirit to comfort him, and let him know He was going to give him victory at Gettysburg, because he got down on his knees and lifted up his hands and cried out to God for victory at Gettysburg. What is he saying here? He's saying, I brought God into the Civil War, and we're entering into a Civil War that's going to be far worse if we don't understand this, and He brought God into the Civil War. Can we bring God into our Civil War, or are we just beyond that? That's what He did. He brought God and His power and might into the Civil War and into Gettysburg itself. And God heard that prayer. He heard that prayer. I want to read to you, you see, again, this is the only solution to all these problems, but let me read to you quickly a scripture here. It says, If I shut up heaven, God is saying, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if any, see, if any of these things happen, what's going to result? 
Verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Now, after Mr. Trump came into office, 2015, almost well, a campaign, and is coming into office in 2016, some very high political people, certainly people with stature, said they, this is, they offered this prayer to God. They, they offered this prayer, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. And then they stopped. Now, why did they stop there? Because it, then it talks about repentance. Remember, God says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why do you do that? It's just in vain. Notice the conclusion to that verse. After it says, Pray, it says, And seek my face, and turn, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. If they will just turn from their wicked ways. Now, God sees some wicked ways in America, and in Britain, and in the Jewish state, and other nations of Israel. You need to write for our book on the United States and Britain in Prophecy if you don't know who Israel is. But look, they, they cut it off, which makes our prayers in vain. If we don't repent and turn, turn, turn from our wicked ways. How many politicians have you heard say such a thing? I would, I would estimate about zero. You just don't hear it. You just don't hear it. As he said in the Civil War, see, we've, uh, we've grown in wealth and power and in numbers and all that, but we have forgotten God. He said that in the Civil War to His people. We have forgotten God, and He brought God into that Civil War Himself. Of course, there were others praying, I'm sure. But God answered His prayer about Gettysburg specifically. And I'll tell you, that man knew a lot about Bible prophecy. But think about this. What if that history is just erased? We just blot it out. What if we just blot out that history? What a loss that is to the nation. Surely, surely we ought to be able to see that. We teach and learn by example. First of all, and here is a great example, I'll tell you, Abraham Lincoln confessed their sins and took his case to God. Here's this quote again, speaking of Washington, during his long sleep, we permitted no hostile foot to pass over or desecrate his resting place. Desecrate. Take the sacredness out of it. I don't care. We could just say, well, we don't care about God. We don't care about God, and we don't believe that. But you're going to believe it at that last trump, which is going to be here even if we don't obey God in around a decade, and you can prove that to yourself. It's getting that close to the second coming of Christ. Look around at this world and all of the nuclear bombs that are in the hands of men that shouldn't even be in charge of nations. 
Isn't this a time when Jesus Christ is going to have to return? Matthew 24 and verses 21 and 22, there would be no flesh saved alive if He didn't. No flesh saved alive. And God says, you can look at Ezekiel 33, and it says there that God is giving a watchman a message, and, and will get He and a group of people will deliver a message to this world, warning them of everything that's happening here, and how it is going to be solved, and that there's no other way to solve it. Where the Constitutional Republic is at stake here. The foundation is being ripped apart. The Constitution is being thrown and pushed aside. When we say the, uh, just the reverse of that. But God says He will solve these problems for us, but we're going to have to think about the constitutional law and the law of God. And then we're going to solve these problems God's way. It's the only way. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. All over the United States, radicals are tearing down historical statues. Did you know Abraham Lincoln once spoke out about this exact issue? The history of Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War should be taught regularly in every educational institution in America and around the world. This history is full of lessons that would save us from the disturbing troubles confronting our nations today. Request Gerald Flurry's free booklet, No Freedom Without Law, to learn how America's founding fathers established a system of law and government based on the Bible. These great leaders sought God's perspective on law. Discover the unbreakable link between law-keeping and true freedom. Despite what is commonly believed today, lawlessness is not the path to freedom, but to slavery. Learn about what your Bible warns about the sins infecting our society. Understand the only solution to lawlessness as proven by ancient Israel, God's church, and America's founding. This solution saved nations in the past, is relevant in the present, and will change the world in the near future. Also request our free reprint articles about the character and leadership of Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln revered biblical and moral law. He saw only one solution to national division, both sides keeping God's law. He never allowed the desecration of historical sites. He stirred all of America to fast and pray for forgiveness of national sins. With God's help, he prevented America from being broken in half during the Civil War. This is history worth teaching down through the generations for the rest of time. You need to know all about Abraham Lincoln's legacy of law and order. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request No Freedom Without Law and our reprint articles about Abraham Lincoln. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request No Freedom Without Law and our reprint articles about Abraham Lincoln. Order now.
For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. The preceding program was a paid presentation of the Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.